going, Longhorn Nation, and welcome to Texas Talk, your one-stop shop for everything involving Texas Longhorns football. I'm your host, Ryan McLoon. We are recording on Tuesday, July 18th, and today we will be talking about Texas's non-conference opponents and what to expect in those matchups. Before we get into it, though, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you're listening. Also, tell your friends and family about us. After that, make sure to check out our website, texas-talk.com. On the website, you'll be able to find the Longhorns updated roster, depth chart, the 2023 recruiting class, transfer portal additions and departures, any trending news, plus our analysis on the team. So be sure to check all of that out. The link to the website will be in the podcast description. All right, let's get into it, and let's start with Rice and uh, Wyoming. Both these teams are, honestly, I didn't get too in-depth with these two, and I will be much, much more in-depth when we get into Alabama. But as for Rice, I think they're really notable with JT Daniels coming in as the transfer quarterback. He's going to be the starter. Honestly, Texas has played JT Daniels three times now in the past five years, and they've done really well against him. So I'm not too worried about JT Daniels. Rice was had a rough season in 2022, and I don't see them really challenging Texas in 2023 at all. Um, They had an absolutely brutal offensive line in 2022, but they do return three starters and then two other uh, players on the offensive line who are going to be starters have some playing experience. So that offensive line might get a little bit better, but overall I think Texas should steamroll them. And the same can be said with Wyoming, both Rice and Wyoming, both made bowl games, but just barely. Wyoming was 7-6 and six last year. Rice only made a bowl game because there wasn't enough six-win teams. They only won five games last year. So both programs, honestly, they shouldn't give Texas a game at all. And if Texas doesn't win these games handily, could be, uh, could be signs to come of a really rough 2023 season. But I don't see that happening. I think Texas should handle both of these games. I hope and I really, really um, envision that Texas is going to be able to play guys like Malik Murphy, Casey Kane, some backup offensive linemen like we talked about it last week, but whoever becomes the backup offensive lineman. Right now in my head, it's Nito Umiazulu would be a big six-man off the bench in that offensive line room. I hope we see a lot of those guys, and same on the defensive side as well. There's so much depth at this in this with this Texas team that we should be able to see a lot of these players in the first three weeks, including week one against Rice and week three against Wyoming. So those are really my thoughts there. Very bland, I know, but I just didn't really feel the need to go too in-depth on either of these programs because Texas should be able to handle them very easily. Um, We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to get a lot more in-depth when we talk about Alabama.
right, Longhorn Nation, we are back and we are talking about Alabama heading into the 2023 season. Let's start off by talking about what Alabama is losing heading into 2023. Offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien, gone. Defensive coordinator Pete Golding, gone. In comes Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele. Tommy Reese, former Notre Dame offensive coordinator, really, really new to being an offensive coordinator, but very promising by all accounts. Notre Dame had a pretty bad offense talent-wise in 2022, and they actually looked competent um, on the field. So Tommy Reese, I think there's a lot of upside there as an offensive coordinator. We'll kind of see how he does with a lot more talent like Alabama. Also, as I mentioned, they have Kevin Steele, defensive coordinator. He's a little bit more well-known, well-established, coming over from the Miami Hurricanes. So that's one where I feel like Nick Saban just trusts Kevin Steele and what he's gone through, kind of just letting Saban be more of the CEO of Alabama and leaving the defense to a guy he trusts in Kevin Steele. Players-wise, let's let's stick with the offensive players for now. We'll take a break and then we'll get to the defensive side. Offensively, the biggest one is absolutely quarterback Bryce Young. Alabama's also losing running back Jameer Gibbs, three offensive linemen, left tackle Tyler Steen, left guard Javion Cohen, and right guard Emil Echior. They're losing tight end Cameron Latu and wide receiver Sean Holden. Let's start with quarterback, and this is kind of a three-man race here with Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, and Ty Buckner coming over from Notre Dame following Tommy Reese to Alabama. This one, I don't think anybody knows who's going to win this race. Personally, though, Alabama went through spring with Milrow and Simpson. Obviously, neither of them really pulled ahead in that competition, and they bring in Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame. Tommy Reese coached Tyler Buckner in 2022. Buckner dealt with some injuries, so that's why he never really took off at Notre Dame. What concerns me is before leaving for Alabama, Tommy Reese was actively recruiting Sam Hartman, the Wake Forest quarterback, to Notre Dame to start for the Fighting Irish over Tyler Buckner. So leaving Notre Dame, coming to Alabama, Tommy Reese decides that Tyler Buckner might be a decent backup plan, that does not really feel good to me for Alabama's quarterback room. Um, We'll kind of see as fall plays out who starts at quarterback for Alabama, but this is a huge blow for this Alabama team. Losing a guy like Bryce Young, who single-handedly probably won Alabama a handful of games, including that Texas game in Austin that I'm sure everybody listening to knows. But, I mean, besides these quarterbacks, I feel like this Alabama team is going to be completely different than they've been 
in the past few years where ever since Lane Kiffin came to Alabama, Alabama has turned into this spread heavy quarterback centric offense, something that we hadn't seen from Alabama in the past. Usually Alabama was quarterback was kind of an afterthought and it was predicated on running the ball, having an incredible offensive line and playing incredible defense. Every now and then they'd sprinkle in a game-changing athletic freak at wide receiver like Julio Jones or Amari Cooper. But for the most part, it was about the running game. It was about ball possession. And it was about Alabama just suffocating you as an offense and as a defense. And I feel like that is what Alabama is going back to. And that could lead to a couple different kind of scenarios for this quarterback room. Jalen Milrow provides them a whole different element in the running game that guys like Ty Simpson and Tyler Buckner just do not do. Ty Simpson is a little bit more of your game manager, in my opinion, where he's kind of like that Greg McElroy uh, type of guy. Tyler Buckner, I think he's a little bit of a mix. I think he's more athletic than Ty Simpson, but he's not at that Jalen Milrow level. Um, And Tyler Buckner didn't play all that well, so I'm not sure how much of a field general he'll be for Alabama. Overall, though, I just feel like that this team is going to live and die by their defense, their offensive line, and their running backs. They got a pretty good stable of running backs there. Even though they lose Jameer Gibbs, they keep Jace McClellan, who is the running back who housed that 70-yarder against Texas. They also have four-star Jamarion Miller in his second year. They have five-star Emmanuel Henderson in his second year. This running back room is just absolutely stacked with talent. I think Alabama could easily deploy all three of those guys, plus a few of their incoming freshmen as well um, in Justice Haynes. But that just kind of remains to be seen. I think Tommy Reese is the offensive coordinator who is more of that pro-style, under-center, type of guy, like I said before, not a whole lot of that spread it out on you and let your playmakers do the work. So that's kind of how I feel about this Alabama offense. Talking a little bit more about those playmakers, though, I do think that this Alabama offense has some good playmakers. They have Ja'Cory Brooks, Malik Benson is a transfer. They have Isaiah Bond coming back. Jermaine Burton is in year two as well with Kobe Prentice. This Alabama room is really, really um, unproven. Last year, they were not very good at all. Bryce Young kind of made this team go offensively. But I feel like now... Jermaine Burton being in year two, Kobe Prentice being in year two, Ja'Cory Brooks being in year three. I feel like these guys can take a step forward and just kind of become playmakers in their own right, which kind of, again, leads more so to the Ty Simpson or Tyler Buckner winning the job. I have my money on it being Ty Simpson, 
But it's definitely going to stretch all the way to fall. It might even stretch to week one. It'll be really interesting to see how this Alabama offense looks in week two against Texas. As for the offensive line, before I move on to the defense, left tackle is open right now. Elijah Pritchett is kind of the one penciled in right now. He's in his sophomore year, but it sounds like listening to some beat reporters that cover Alabama, that Caden Proctor, the five-star true freshman, is going to win that left tackle spot. And he's an absolute beast of a human. Six foot six, 330 pounds already as a true freshman. Sounds like he's going to be their left tackle of the future. Also, rounding out their offensive line, they have at right tackle top 10 pick in the upcoming NFL draft, most likely, and that's J.C. Latham. Then they have their interior with, starting with their center, Seth McLaughlin, coming back, Darian Dalcourt, and Tyler Booker. This is a really good offensive line. The left tackle spot, I think, is a little iffy, but if Caden Proctor is what he's cracked up to be almost on that Kelvin Banks level, this Alabama offensive line is going to be incredible. So definitely, definitely something to be concerned of if you're a Texas fan going up against an offensive line like that in week two when Texas defensive line is good, but their edge rushers are incredibly unproven to this point so going up against a guy like Caden Proctor or even Elijah Pritchard who doesn't have a whole lot of starting experience himself you're going up against a left tackle who doesn't have a whole lot of snaps played you have to take advantage of that if you're Texas if you want to win on the road against Alabama definitely definitely something to think about there Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a lot more about this Alabama defense. All right, we are back, and we are talking about Alabama on the defensive side of the ball. Like we did with the offensive side, let's start with who they are losing. Notable losses here for Alabama. Edge, obviously, number three overall pick, Will Anderson. That is undoubtedly the biggest loss that Alabama has on the defensive side of the ball, and second only to Bryce Young on the team. Then we have defensive lineman Byron Young. We have linebacker Henry Toa Toa. Cornerback Eli Ricks. Then we got A trio of safeties here, DeMarco Hellams, Jordan Battle, and Brian Branch, who kind of played that nickel safety role. Let's start with how they replaced Will Anderson. And a guy that slots in kind of fits the same profile as Will Anderson, maybe not that level of elite, but Dallas Turner, who we saw, obviously, he's the player who hurt Quinn Ewers broke his collarbone. Absolutely hate it. But as a player, Dallas Turner, incredible. He's going to be a top 20 pick in the NFL draft next year, almost unquestionably. He needs to take a step forward to kind of get in that Will Anderson tier. 
probably needs to take two steps forward to get into that Will Anderson tier, but even a step further to get into the top 10 of the NFL draft. But I think Dallas Turner is talented enough to kind of do that. The other edge rusher opposite of him is also incredibly talented, and that's Chris Braswell, who is definitely going to get an expanded role with Will Anderson gone. He's probably going to be the one replacing Dallas Turner's role last year as kind of second fiddle to Will Anderson. Chris Braswell will play second fiddle to Dallas Turner here in 2023. Again, not very shocking, but Alabama has talented edge rushers, and they just replace their top 10 picks with more top 10 picks. So not very surprising there, but where I do think they lack some depth is defensive line. Now, Jaheim Otis, true freshman last year, played incredible, an absolute beast as a nose tackle. He's going to be in year two. I think he's the most notable defensive lineman Alabama has. But other than that, honestly, their defensive line is pretty underwhelming. They have two seniors starting pegged here, and that's Tim Smith and Justin Ebogakbi. I'm not sure about either of them, but it's kind of shocking just to see Alabama have two seniors starting for their defensive line. Usually they're a lot, lot more talented than that, and they basically just churn these guys out, put them in the NFL after their redshirt junior year, and kind of move on. Now, maybe these guys are incredibly talented. I'm sure they're going to be better than most teams' defensive lines, but... For Alabama standards, I'm just not sure that they're there. And I think something to note is Georgia's resurgence and Georgia is getting those defensive linemen now. I think that's starting to kind of chip away at Alabama's, at one point, looked impenetrable um, defensive front. So that is definitely, definitely something to note there. Next up, let's move along to the linebacker, and that's Henry Toa Toa leaving, replacing him is likely Tresman Marshall from Georgia, transferred in. Super, super talented guy, but and Henry Toa was never that athletic, but what he did bring to this Alabama defense was his leadership and kind of just being incredibly smart, kind of being a coach on the field to use a term that is, you know, pretty common. Will Tresman Marshall kind of bring that same leadership qualities where he's kind of lining guys up in the correct spots, making sure that there's no missed assignments on the defense? I'm not so sure yet. Marshall hasn't had a whole lot of snaps in his career, and I think that's kind of why he transferred out of Georgia into Alabama. So definitely, definitely something to note there. Next up, and I think this is Alabama's biggest issue on the defensive side heading into 2023 is their defensive backs. Like I said, they lose cornerback Eli Ricks, but they also lose three safeties in DeMarco Hellams, Jordan Battle, and then that nickel safety slot spot, Brian Branch. Jordan Battle, obviously not like an incredible player, a pretty good college player though, and losing him is going to be tough to replace for Alabama. Now, 
they do have five-star freshman Caleb Downs coming in. Caleb Downs was talked about by most people as the most talented high school football player in the country, regardless of position, regardless of anything else. They said Caleb Downs was the most talented his senior year of high school. So I do think that this kid is ready to start right away. But in Nick Saban's defense, if you're a defensive back, starting as a true freshman is really daunting for you. I mean, just the complexities of playing the safety spot with his quarters defense. It's kind of good for Texas fans, honestly, playing them in week two. Maybe you catch Caleb Downs in a missed assignment, in a blown coverage, because he's a true freshman. As talented as he is, athletic as he is, he could still make mental mistakes early, early in his career. Definitely something to note there. Next, we have Trey Amos. He's going to be that outside cornerback, kind of replacing Eli Ricks. He's coming over from Louisiana Lafayette. He has plenty of starting experience for Louisiana Lafayette. Three years starting on the outside for them. So I think that one will be obviously a jump in competition, but that's something that I worry a lot less about when you have so many years of starting experience. I think Trey Amos is kind of going to fill that outside cornerback role. As for that star position, I am not sure what they do there. They have it listed Earl Little, the second playing. Terion Arnold is another DB who is returning to Alabama, who has some significant playing time for them. Um, Not exactly sure how that's going to go. Malachi Moore will be their other starting safety. He's a senior. He's incredibly talented. I just am not sure how this Alabama DB room is going to fare with two guys coming in to the program, you know, through the transfer portal and um, as a true freshman in Caleb Downs, plus one of their linebackers in Tresman Marshall, also a transfer coming in. So this is a, there's a lot of new faces on this Alabama defense. Having a guy like Kevin Steele at defensive coordinator, though, I think really helps Alabama. Kevin Steele has been in college football, in the game of football for so long. I think he can get these guys ready, especially as transfers. Caleb Downs might take a little bit more time, but by all accounts, he was the most NF or uh, college-ready high schooler of the class of 2023. So definitely, definitely interesting there. Like I said with on the when I was talking about the offenses, though, this Alabama team is going to have to win by suffocating you when they have the ball in their hands and when they're on defense, just not letting teams score points. There cannot be a whole lot of fireworks going on when you're playing Alabama. It's going to be Iowa. It's going to be Wisconsin. It's going to be that level of football where old Alabama football, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to pull that off though with the defense that they have. And I could be completely wrong because Again, it's Alabama. Um, To bet against Nick Saban, kind of teaching this defense, playing up to his competition would be kind of foolish. So I 
definitely t- say this all with a grain of salt, but Alabama's win total is sitting at 10 and a half. Now, I kind of just looked at their schedule. I have them with eight for sure wins. Maybe they drop one of those um, in Middle Tennessee, South Florida, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Kentucky, in Chattanooga. Those, I think, are for sure wins. Maybe they drop one of them. They're at Texas A&M. They're at Mississippi State. Those two might be a little bit of a, of a tough one for them. But the coin tosses I have for them are Texas, Tennessee, LSU, and at Auburn. I don't know what to do here. I'm definitely not going to bet this with my own money, but if I were to, I'd very, very slightly lean on the under here. Ten and a half. I just I just don't like this Alabama offense. I think Bryce Young, like I said before, single-handedly won them a handful of games and then kept them in games like Tennessee and LSU as well. So without him and without a clear replacement that anybody feels good about apparently because they wouldn't have brought Tyler Buckner in if they felt good about either Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson without knowing exactly how these defensive backs are going to play while losing four starting defensive backs from the 2022 season. And yes, DeMarco Hellams and Eli Ricks didn't play as much as Jordan Battle and Brian Branch and Malachi Moore and Kool-Aid McKinstry are still on in that DB room. Kool-Aid McKinstry is going to be a top five, top 10 pick in the NFL draft next year as well. But even Alabama beat writers will tell you Kool-Aid McKinstry, although he's incredibly athletic, awesome name, obviously, but he also, in 2022, had a lot of plays where he blew a coverage or he let a guy open. He isn't that complete shutdown cornerback that you really think of when you think of a top five Alabama pick. Obviously, he can take a step and he can get there, but seeing 2022 play out, I'm not sure I trust this Alabama DB room with losing all those guys returning obviously really talented players, but not enough of them for me to really feel good about it. Same with the defensive line. They lose Will Anderson. Yes, they still have Dallas Turner, similar to they still have Kool-Aid McKinstry. Chris Braswell should step into that other edge role and play really well, but along the defensive line, the really big guys who are going to help stop the run. Behind Jaheim Otis, Beside Jaheim Otis, I'm just not sure what they have there. And even Otis, as a true sophomore, lacked consistency as a freshman. So overall, you're if you're betting the over on this win total of 10.5, you're really betting on Nick Saban, and you're betting on Nick Saban being able to coach up the, this defense and make it ready. And you're basically betting on old Alabama to be back because this spread it out offensive heavy Alabama, it's not going to happen in 2023. And for that reason, I just can't bet with them because I just don't trust way too many important aspects 
of football, and that's the quarterback position. That is the defensive backfield. So overall, I'm going under on the 10.5 slightly, and I really like Alabama. I really like Texas going into Alabama and giving them a hell of a game. Obviously, Texas is going to be an underdog in that game. I know they will be. I actually saw a book have Texas at plus nine and a half. This was in April. I took that immediately. It's already down. I can't find the look ahead now, but it was already down to the last time I saw it at seven and a half. And I wouldn't be shocked if we see it down to like three and a half, four, four and a half by the time kickoff of week two. Texas hype is only getting more and more loud. And while Alabama is Alabama, until they name a starting quarterback, there is just going to be no hype at all for this Alabama Crimson Tide team. Hard to bet against Nick Saban, but I really do feel good about Texas coming in there and getting a win on the road in Alabama. That will uh, that will do it all for this week's episode. I'll just keep running down the line of Texas opponents. Next week, I'll probably hit Baylor and Kansas. And we'll stay with the getting pretty in-depth here, just like I kind of did with Alabama, maybe even a little bit more in-depth. We'll kind of see what I find and what I find interesting. The Rice and Wyoming thing, I just, I just didn't feel like getting too into it with those two teams because if Texas doesn't win by three touchdowns, that is just not good for Steve Sarkeesian and this offense and defense letting Rice and Wyoming stick around against them. But overall, like I said, I will be back next week with Baylor and Kansas. Please rate five stars. Um, tell your friends and family about us. And as always, hook them. Mm-hmm.